Welcome to the YYY Show, a comedy podcast about such histories, life, and, and strange behaviors. I'm Jingan. And I'm Eliza. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer. This is a comedy podcast, and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYY Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay, let's start the show. So Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Is Korean fried chicken related to American fried chicken? I think so. I would assume that all fried chicken have relationships to each other. Hmm. <laughs> okay, before we go into this search term, right, I need to tell you about what led me to Google this in the first place. Okay. Yeah, so I was watching a food documentary about the best foods to eat in the South. Okay. As in the Southern states of America. Oh, okay. Like Texas, Louisiana. I thought like the Southern part of the world, but okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Alabama, etc., etc. But you know, America always call things with them in the center, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. The South is their South. Okay, sure. Not South of the world. Okay. okay. Mm. Mm. And it seems like they really, really love their fried chicken there. And they usually serve it with biscuits and grits, even rice. Yeah, and like gravy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I was like just wondering, right? Mm -hmm. Do people really love fried chicken in the South? Mm -hmm. Or is it just a stereotype? What do you think? I think they really like it. Like, if not, it won't appear in such abundance. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> you know, they like it so much, right? That many American authors and speakers, right? They have joked that fried chicken is their religion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or they belong to the church of fried chicken. I see. Please listen to our Lord and Savior, the fried chicken overlord. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, right? Some mm -hmm. African Americans even call fried chicken gospel bird. Gospel bird? Yeah, because it's associated with their Sunday celebrations after I think church. I've actually heard this term before. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay, Sounds okay. Familiar. So, until World War II, right, fried chicken in the US, right, was considered a spoon. A spoon. <laughs> a spoon. <laughs> a spoon. <laughs> What's the you supposed to say? So, until World War II, fried chicken in the US was considered a food for special occasions. Mm. Food for special occasions. I see, I see. A spoon. <laughs> So it later transitioned to something that people ate for breakfast or dinner a few times a week. And then now, of course, right, they eat it whenever they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Americans love their fried chicken so much, right? There is even a National Fried Chicken Day in America. Wow. Yeah, it's on every 6th of July. And of course, it's just a for fun thing. La. Okay, okay. Yeah, and it's more for like the fried chicken businesses to do their promotions. Very, very close to the 4th of July. Yeah. Where everybody's in celebration mode. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my next question is, right, how did fried chicken get associated with the South? Hmm. What do you think? Why South there? Why not North there? South is more hot. Are they? Right? So, they like hot things. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe, mm, maybe South is more hot and also more arid like more uh -huh. dry more desert okay instead yeah, of snowy right okay. yeah 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 yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. okay then, then then so they need to like fry their chicken huh to make it more <laughs> keepable or something I don't know <laughs> nonsense 
I thought you know, the chicken if it's in the cold place you freeze it then you'll be more keepable fry the chicken and make it more keepable keep it in your stomach eh? yeah yeah <laughs> okay I don't know okay the answer is right the US southerners were just the loudest cheerleaders of fried chicken okay yeah they just like it a lot okay. and talk about it a lot okay yeah so much such that they make it the centerpiece of their regional cuisine. I see. And then they keep boasting that only African-Americans, mostly the enslaved African-Americans, mm-hmm. could make authentic fried chicken. Okay. And okay. they say everything else not authentic. Okay. That's what they say. Lah, okay. Oh. That's what they say. Eh? Okay. So some culinary experts, right, mm-hmm. linked such expertise, expertise mm-hmm. to West Africa. Ah. Because prior to European contact, local populations in West Africa ate chicken and deep fried their foods. Okay, okay. Yeah. So they think that it came from there. Yeah, they think lah. Mm-hmm. But right, if you dig deep enough, right, you'll realize that the West Africans, they didn't fry their chicken. They just fry everything else but not the chicken. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. They cook it more like a fricassee. You know, the, the chicken, they lightly stir fry then after it braise in a broth. Oh, okay, like okay. The stew kind. Mm, I like that kind. So it's like, no, not fried chicken. So like, it didn't come from us. It's like, you know, the Singapore noodles. Yes. It's like, Singapore don't have such noodles. Yeah, I don't have this thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so if fried chicken is not African cuisine, okay, who brought fried chicken to America? Do you want to guess? Who? Uh? Mm. The South Americans. South Americans, not correct. Immigrants. From? Where? I don't know. From China. No, not Korean. <laughs> Very not Korean. <laughs> from Korea. No, not Korean. <laughs> from from. You finish your three guesses. Eh? No, no, no. Don't have not Canada. It was actually the Scottish. What? Yeah. So I expected her. Yeah. Like I wouldn't guess that. <laughs> yeah. So in the Encyclopedia of American Food and Drink. There's a section that says that the Scottish, who enjoyed frying their chickens rather than boiling or baking them as the English did, may have brought the method with them when they settled in the American South. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> so this is quite a few hundred years ago oh, okay. when the Scottish went to, to America. America. Mm. Mm. And there is also evidence in various cookbooks published in Scotland dating back to the 1700s okay. on similar ways to marinate the chicken, better them, then frying them in hog fat. Mm. They call it hog fat, but in Singapore we know it as pork lard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so similar <laughs> methods. So most likely, right, mm-hmm. during the 17th to the 19th century, yes. enslaved African-Americans begin cooking fried chicken based on the recipes provided by their Scottish slave holders. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Ah, then over time, right, they added their own spices and cooking techniques and then they embrace it as part of their own culinary tradition. Oh, part of their culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now back to my original search term. Okay. Is Korean fried chicken related to American fried chicken? Yes. What do you think? Yes. Okay, who? Who bring the chicken to where? Some American bring the chicken to Korea during the Korean War or something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yes, yes. The answer seems like, right? It depends on who you ask. Okay, Okay. So if you ask 
someone who is based in America, if the article is written by someone based in America, then they will say that, yeah, in the 1950s, mm -hmm. the Korean War happened. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of the US military went there. Mm -hmm. Then they got no turkey to celebrate Thanksgiving. Then they fry chicken. Yeah. Because okay. war, ma, easy to fry. Got okay. no oven to bake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they say that, okay, fried chicken, modern fried chicken was introduced to Korea by US military. Okay. But if you go and ask somebody who is Korean or if the article is written by someone based in Korea, mm -hmm. then they won't say this. It's a different story. Mm. Okay. They will say that in the late 1960s, mm -hmm. a popular restaurant, Myeongdong Yongyang Center, began selling rotisserie chicken. It's a whole chicken roasted in the electric oven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then in the 1970s, right, when Korea experienced an economic boom, along with the modernization of chicken farming and cooking oil production, mm -hmm. then the first modern Korean fried chicken franchise, which is called Lim's Chicken, was established in the basement of a departmental store. Oh. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as it got more and more popular, people say, very nice, very nice, very nice, right? Mm -hmm. More and more such chains started opening. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So it wasn't from the war. It's an organic growth kind of thing. Okay, okay. Mm. If okay. you ask a Korean, mm. if you ask American, America says, we bring over one. Because mm. okay. I feel like the fried chicken is not really part of their traditional cuisine at all. Yeah, so very it's far very, away, very modern right? thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So interestingly, right, both sides will agree mm -hmm. that historically, the recipe for frying chicken, right, was already a form of cooking in the 15th century in Korea. Huh? Wow. Long ago. Wow. Yeah, so it is presumed to have cooked and eaten in the Goryeo dynasty or the early Joseon dynasty. So mm. long ago, the dynastic times, yes. they already, they already fried got chicken. this recipe already. Oh, okay. Fried chicken already. But only the rich people can eat. Mm. Yeah, so the normal people never get to eat. Oh, yeah. so it wasn't popularized. Yes, it's sense. not popularized. And the regular folks, right, they usually eat their chicken boiled or steamed. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the ginseng chicken soup. Ah, yes. Yeah, they usually eat in that kind of style. Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, of course now it's disputed whether they are related or not related. <laughs> we won't know what's the answer. Depends on who you ask. Yes, okay. Yeah, but no matter how fried chicken originated in Korea, right, there are significant differences in the style of cooking mm. as compared to the American one. Yes. Okay, what do you know about the different cooking style? I think it's the breadedness of it is quite different. Mm. Like the, the batter or something. There's something different about the batter. Like they use a different flour or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And then for Korean chicken, they like to coat it with like a layer of sweet things or like honey some or something. Some sticky like thing, right? Yeah, some <laughs> sticky thing that they like to coat it with. Yes, yes, yes. So for Koreans, right, it's very important that the fried chicken, right, it's not only crunchy and crispy, right, but they also want it to be not greasy, mm -hmm. but also moist. Yeah, like tender on the inside, yeah. right? Mm. So what they will do, right, is they will coat it very thinly in the batter, very thin. Mm -hmm. And then they'll fry it at least twice. Mm. So that all the fats and all the... thing will go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. All the oil and fats will go away. Yeah. And usually, yeah, right, they, they always try to cover it in some sticky sauce. It's either sweet <laughs> sticky sauce or spicy sticky sauce. Yes, yes. If not, then they will put some kind of powder on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Cheese yeah. powder, seaweed powder, correct, some kind correct. of seasoning powder. But I feel like that's like the more modern way of... Like, it only evolved in the modern times. Yeah, the modern times. Uh. So yeah. if the 15th century, I uh, don't have this kind of thing. Yeah, like, of course. Like, in the 15th century, mm. they, the fried chicken, right, is just plain fried chicken. Then mm. they serve with the vinegar and soya sauce on the side. 
So it's wow. a different thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the end of the search term. I see. No <laughs> conclusive answer. <laughs> Alright, that's fine. We don't always have to know the answers. The answer is no answer. No answer. Okay, so Jingan, what is your search term of the week? Okay, my search term is... Why do we say touch wood? Wow. Uh, on what occasion would someone say touch wood? Okay. When somebody say something bad. Okay, okay. Like a bad luck thing, then they want to touch it too for good luck. Touch wood. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they accidentally say like a bad thing. S- something bad will happen. Inauspicious. Something inauspicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Then they will, they will like, oh. Then touch wood, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like if they are like boasting about their luck, something like their luck is damn good. Then, then like touch wood, touch wood. Then touch wood, touch wood, so that their luck won't be reversed. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? Yes. Now it made me wonder whether it is an Angmaw thing or it's an Asian thing. Yeah, is it an Angmaw thing or is it an Asian thing? Then why oh, Asian so. also say Choi? Why is Choi? <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. Why is Choi? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Is Choi a bad word or not? No. It's not very well. No, you actually not. investigated this. Yep. <laughs> okay, I think touch wood is an English thing, then choi is an Asian thing. Mm, okay, correct, correct. Correct, okay. uh? yes. So, okay, let's investigate touch wood first. Okay, touch wood, touch wood. Okay, why touch wood? Because wood is natural, then you touch it, you go back to nature. And then what has that got to do with the good and bad luck? Be one with the universe, touch the source. And then? <laughs> and then be rejuvenated oh, with luck. I see. Is it? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> what I a mean, poor guess. Maybe like a part. Partly <laughs> correct only. Very small part. <laughs> okay, so there are many sauces. As, huh? Like just now your fried chicken. Oh. All of them claim that they are the like, correct answer. It's like, this is definitely correct. Mm. All of them. Yeah. There is one like uh, belief that it is from ancient pagan culture, mm-hmm. like the Celtic, mm-hmm. the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that spirits and gods live in trees. Mm-hmm. So by knocking on the wood, you wake up the spirits. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, like they a will way, bless you. Yeah, it's a way for asking you. for protection. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, okay, okay. Knock, knock, knock. He come and protect me now. How? Then why should they be very annoyed? Like every time you got people knock, then they will come out and protect the person. <laughs> like these humans are uh, always want to talk nonsense. Then after that, ask us to come out. Exactly. Okay. okay there's mm-hmm. another theory though that is very similar but the opposite. Uh-huh. Is that when you knock on the wood, uh-huh. you will chase away the evil spirits. Oh. They are inside. Oh. They are, so that you prevent them from listening into your conversation. Oh. Yeah. So you talk some stupid thing, then after that you, <laughs> oh my god, maybe they're hiding and listening. So yeah, you yeah, faster yeah. knock it and make them go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Exactly. Hmm. Christians, they link it to the wood on the wooden cross. Oh. Yeah, which is the crucifix. Side. And then um, another British folklorist, he studies folklore, mm-hmm. and then he's very sure that the... <laughs> You know the folk lorries, right? The idea in my head, right, is the lorries monkey. Yeah, the you know? slow lorries. Yeah, the slow lorries. Then in the folk get up. Folk lorries. Folk lorries. Folk lorries. Okay. 
Yep, anyway, okay, he's very sure that the term touch wood came from a 19th century children's game mm-hmm. called Tiggy Touch Wood. It's like catching, la, but mm. your home base, right, or like uh, where you can be protected or immune is when you touch a piece of wood or a tree. Oh, mm. it's like the game that they play in NS, go and kiss the tree. Is that a game? <laughs> is that a real thing? I think it's a drill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I saw it in A Boy's Domain and then my dad also told me about it. Like, the sergeant will ask them to go and kiss the tree and come back. Okay. Okay, anyway. <laughs> no, it's not the same thing. That's like a, a corporal punishment type thing. <laughs> okay, this is a real game. Okay, continue, continue. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, there are many, many variations to this touch wood thing mm-hmm. around the world. Like, really, if you just go and Google and wiki it, like, there's so many different iterations. Okay. okay. That people say la, that when they don't want to be jinxed or like they don't want whatever they said to come true or they are boasting about something and don't want a luck reversal. Okay, so what are the others? So just now you really guessed one. Choi. Choi. Uh. Yeah, correct. This one is Cantonese one. Okay, what is it? Is so it? it's like, it's a magical word. There is no explanation, huh? by There's the way. There's no explanation like, behind it. No. There is no like link of this word's etymology. There's just like, oh, this is a magical word that they use. Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's I like thought... linked to like bad luck. Ah. Oh, like, okay. I thought so it has some... Chase historic... away the bad luck oh, when you say okay. choy. It's like, oh, a, wow. it's like jinx like the oh. word. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Very interesting. <laughs> okay, any others? Uh. Okay, how about I say the method? And then you guess where it's from. Okay. Okay, so one is pull on one earlobe and knock on wood twice. Huh? Yeah. One this, must pull the earlobe. Yeah, eh? pull and then knock, knock. This one is from where? <gasps> I know, I know. Uh, Nepal. <gasps> nope. Turkey. Oh, man. I was so close. Because last time my, my Nepalese uh, helper, when we yes. say something, she'll, pull, she'll say pull the ear. Oh, maybe it's like linked. Maybe it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's in the same region. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. She will say pull the ear. Yeah. Then we're like for what? For what? Then she say don't say bad thing. Pull the ear. Then we're like for what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. How about touch iron? Touch iron. Yeah, it's in a different language lah. But what language? Muotie. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not Mandarin. Uh, touch iron. Uh, must be a place where there's a lot of iron around. Uh, a lot of blacksmith. Ireland. <laughs> Does Ireland have a lot of blacksmiths? I don't know. <laughs> it's Italian. Okay. Okay. And then um, there's the physical act of knocking. Like they don't say it, they just knock, knock, knock. Everybody. No meh? I guess so. But <laughs> apparently it's quite prevalent in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway. So why Italy touch iron eh? It's the same thing like, as they touch wood. La. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, to them, it's like the same. <laughs> I thought got a special thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who make pizzas and they have a lot of metal tools around. Oh. Uh, maybe they feel it's cleansing. Oh, okay yeah. then. I have no idea. Moving okay. on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a lot of things got no explanation. All of this is superstition, right? Yes. Okay, so... Superstition is a large part of our lives, whether mm-hmm. we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a fundamental reason as to why we engage in it so much. Why? Yeah. Because you want to feel in control, is it? Yes, exactly. Huh? Really? For many people, engaging in superstitions actually gives them a sense of control. <gasps> and it helps them reduce their levels of anxiety. Oh, wow. 
So it's like, you know, a performer, right? Maybe yes. before they go and perform, then they have a routine yes. that they go through uh-huh. before going on stage to help with stage fright. So yes. that actually helps because uh, it's not really a form of superstition. I guess it's the same method of coping with stress. Yeah la, because yeah. you do something, then you distract yourself, then you're not so anxious. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like you're doing something. Ma. Better it's, than you're doing nothing, then you, all the stress build up. Yeah, and then there's this correlation, right? For uh-huh. example, I did this, and then the show went well the last time. Uh-huh. So y- you kind of assume that it's because I did this, that's why the show went well. Uh-huh. Like there's this correlation. Yes, 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 yes. Like, <laughs> so then the next time, again. yeah, when you do it, then you oh. never do, or like, you know, oh. then you feel like something's missing. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, all of these are just different ways of coping with the same issue that everything is chaos and we need to feel like we are a little bit in control. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly deep. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so I thought it was quite interesting. Yes, it was. It is time for our special segment, Three Things to Google from a Friend. So Eliza, who is the contributor for this week? Okay, this week we have Pew our very good friend. Yes. And also one of our guests previously. So her first search term is, is Myers-Briggs test legit? Oh. Myers-Briggs. The personality test, right? That one. Yes. Not legit. Not legit. I always think all these test, test, test how is not can, legit. You tell me how can it be that the whole world is split up into 12 personalities? It's 12 men or 16, 16 men? Sorry, 16 personalities. <laughs> Yeah, it cannot be what. I always don't believe this kind of thing. But then I feel like it is always used. Oh, the 12th one is astrology. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And for those listeners who don't know what this is, it's the one where people like put on their profile. And then it's like E-N-T-J-I-N-F-P. That one. You know, the four letters. People believe in this because they want to feel that they are in control. Oh, yes. We covered it just now. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you know the MBTI, right? It's actually very used in the corporate setting, you know? Every corporate place that I go to, right, they will make us take this test some way, somehow, because they want to assess you, what kind of person you are, whether Mm -hmm. you can interact well with your colleagues and how the colleagues should interact with you. But all of it is nonsense. Yeah, but then it gives you an opening to talk about yourself and how you want to be interacted with, I guess. I don't know. Okay, okay. Okay, is it nonsense? Okay, so why I know it's nonsense... Yeah, it's because of the way it was conceived. Everybody, okay, like, jiang. get ready. Yes. The way that the Myers-Briggs personality test was invented was two Americans, one mother, one daughter. Mm. They want to assess the future son-in-law. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. she feel that the future son-in-law has mm-hmm. very marked differences between his personality and of the other family members. Mm. So she decided that people can be split into 16 types, which is like, can be introvert or can be like extrovert or can be like thinkers or judges or like feelers, feelers, you know. So that's why I feel that it's a bit nonsense. As much as you feel like it's nonsense, <laughs> about 2 million people take it annually, okay? Because... <laughs> Corporate HR departments, colleges, and even government agencies get their people to do it. And the company that produces and markets the test makes about 20 million of it each year. But organizational psychologists, they all say the test is completely meaningless. There is just no evidence behind it. And also because 
it is self-reported. Own self say, own self shock, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it is not scientifically founded. Okay, yes, it is based on Carl Jung's psychological theory. But so what? Right? Yes. So the mass breaks provides inconsistent and inaccurate results. And research, right, has found that as many as 50% of people arrive at a different result the second time they take the test, even mm. if it's just five weeks later. Oh, dear. Yeah. Because the questions, right, the answers that you give to the questions will vary according to your mood as well as the setting that you are in. Mm. Yeah. And I found this to be true. Yes. Because the first time I take it at my first job, Mm-hmm. And the second time I take it at my second job, the results is different. Got different results. Yeah, then after that, when I freelance mm. and be self-employed, then I take it again. Mm. Then it's different again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's proven that person's way of answering things or like effectiveness or way of functioning mm-hmm. is very different even like before and after meals. <laughs> like, before and after meals. It's like... <laughs> How can you... Cause, is it because people are hungry, then they, they're different, like more angry or something. I don't know. <laughs> different temperament. <laughs> you cannot... Yeah, if people are just, you know, flexible. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is that there is no harm in taking this as a for fun yes, activity. of course, of course. Like, you must treat it at the same equivalence of a BuzzFeed quiz. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Pew's next search term is... Is I degree hereditary? Oh, it's myopia hereditary. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what she means. It's myopia hereditary. Or like any eye related. What's the opposite of myopia again? Longtopia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nearsightedness and farsightedness <laughs> and astig, right? What's the opposite of myopia? It is called hyperopia. Wow. I mean, I'm quite, quite close, right? I say longtopia. Not bad, not bad. It's like farmer. Okay. Okay. By the way, it has started to rain outside, so you might hear a difference in the recording. Please do not be alarmed. It's not static. Yeah. It's the rain. Nearsightedness, aka myopia. Because common myopia is a complex condition involving hundreds of genes, the condition does not have a clear pattern of inheritance. The risk of developing this condition is greater for first-degree relatives of affected individuals as compared to the general public. So, if you have a sibling or children, then there is a risk of developing this together. Mm. I mean, poor eyesight is neither a dominant nor recessive trait, but it does tend to run in families, probably, probably because of habits. Yeah, I think it's like less about the genetics... And more about your habits. Yeah, your right. whole family's lifestyle and habits. Yeah, so the percentage of it being hereditary is quite low. Mm. But it is hereditary sometimes. Yes, poor vision is more complex than being able to outrightly blame your parents. Oh my goodness, that's very funny. <laughs> Cannot blame our parents. It's you, mom. It's you. Yeah, it's too many genes already that contribute to myopia. Mm, interesting. Okay, what about longtopia? <laughs> Hyperopia, I mean. In many far-sighted people, this vision problem, bracket hyperopia, far-sightedness, huh, is not part of a larger genetic syndrome. However, far-sightedness can be a feature of other disorders with a genetic cause. So you don't oh. inherit the far-sightedness, mm. but you might inherit something else, else? that leads to far-sightedness. far-sightedness. Ah. Like what? Does far-sightedness come with age? 
That seems to be what happens, right? That seems to be what happens, right? Yes. Seems like it. Is it because our eyes deteriorate? Farsightedness becomes more common with age. At least half the people older than 65 have some degree of farsightedness. Hmm. It's just because our eyes deteriorate, is it? Mm, Yes. Oh. (laughs) Okay, that's it about nearsightedness and farsightedness, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Most likely not hereditary. But more than 350 eye diseases are attributed to hereditary factors. Oh. Mm. 350? Yes, different eye diseases. Wow. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of uh, medical disorders that impact vision and eye health. And genetics do play a role in this. Mm. For example, albinism, mm-hmm. age-related macular degeneration, AMD, uh, color blindedness, cataracts, mm. glaucoma, night blindness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this thing called retinitis pigmentosa. I see. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot more. I'm not going to read 350 uh, eye diseases, <laughs> but you know... <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an eye disease podcast. <laughs> but yeah, quite a few things are hereditary. Okay. Yeah. But not nearsightedness and farsightedness. Mm. Okay. Okay. Got our answers. Okay, her last search term is... What are the children of Thomas Edison called? What? Because she saw a TikTok that the children of Thomas Edison are called Dot and Dash and she does not... Oh... She does not believe that this is true. Oh, Thomas Edison, the guy related to the light bulb invention, right? Yeah, the inventor of light bulb. The reason why I didn't say that he's the inventor because apparently his invention is a bit disputed. Oh, okay. (laughs) Who is associated with inventing. Dot and Dash sounds like Morse code. Yeah, why would he name his kids? Dot Dash, Dot and Dash. Dash, Dash, Dot, Dot. Oh, okay. It's not their name name, but their nickname. Hmm? Really? Uh? So Dot and Dash are the nicknames of his two children, mm-hmm. Marion Estelle Edison and Thomas Elva Edison. Oh. Then there's another child called William Leslie Edison, who did not have a nickname. I also said why is on the wiki article. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he have nicknames, but we just don't know. Yeah, we just don't know. It's not recorded. Okay. Okay, why though? So my guess is that it's Morse code. What's your guess? Yeah lah, then. <laughs> like, what else can it be? Thomas Edison called his kids Dot and Dash after Morse code. American inventor. <laughs> okay. Affectionately called his... Yeah. Okay. If you want a longer answer, the longer answer is he affectionately started referring to them in their childhood as Dot and Dash. Wow. Okay, so why, right? It's because Edison, who was partially deaf since childhood, oh. he started working as a telegraph operator at the age of 15. Oh, yes, he did. Mm. And he excelled in his job because that time, Morse code was inscribed on paper. Mm. Yeah. So, being partially deaf, mm-hmm. uh, there was no handicap. Oh. Yeah. No handicap for him. Yeah. Okay. For To work as a telegraph operator. I see. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, he has a soft spot for the Morse code. Mm. Okay, that's the end of our special segment. So Eliza, what is your second search term of the week? My search term is... Volcano Snail. Volcano Snail? Yeah, why are you so excited? 
Is it the snail can live inside the volcano? Is it? How long Do is you know it? about this already first? How is it so indestructible? No, I don't know. You don't know? Yes! Okay, guess, or, guess, or guess, maybe, guess. Or maybe it's a snail with volcano colours. <gasps> like red, red, black, black. And then maybe a streak, a streak of lava colour. Wow. <laughs> wow. Or maybe it's like some superpower snail that is indestructible so it can live inside the volcano. Okay, now I need to tell you that most of your guesses are right. Oh. Yes. Why? Because, number one, <laughs> they live near volcanoes, not in volcanoes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. But, yep, the volcanoes are underwater. We'll oh, get to it later. Okay. okay. The second guess about the colour of the yeah. volcano snail, right? Yeah. You say it's black and red, right? Yeah. Maybe even a streak of red, right? Yeah. This is how it looks like. We'll put a picture on social media. <gasps> oh my gosh, it really does look like... <laughs> Right? Black so and red, cool. right? Yeah, we'll yeah. put it on social media. That's like the coolest snail you ever laid your eyes on. Yes. <laughs> and the third thing, it's like, you know, the Pokemon that he has like some kind of like fire type, right? Yeah. Volcano snail. <laughs> I try to name them. Snail Kano. <laughs> so the third thing you said was that they have some superpower, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have superpower. Oh, okay. So, uh, wait, first, I'll tell you about how they live first. Then maybe later you can guess what's their superpower. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. so the volcano snail, aka the deep sea scaly food snail, also called the sea pangolin. Mm-hmm. The scientific name is called Chrysomalon squamiferum. Okay. Nice. It is an endangered species of deep sea snails okay. living near a few hydrothermal vents in the Indian Ocean. Okay. And the place they live in is so treacherous. Because why? Because it is in the sea. Yes. And it is also hot. Yes. Because it is very, 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 very deep in the sea. Okay. It is 2,400 meters underwater. Okay. With crushing pressures. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is very, very hot. The temperature is up to 400 degrees Celsius. 400 degrees Celsius. Yeah, 400. That's like four times our boiling point of water. Mm. You know their conditions at which they live. Yes. Okay, do you want to guess what is their superpowers? Their superpower is that they won't die la, in the very hot heat. Why? Uh, because they have some special power. What is it? That cools down their insides. Ah, wrong. It's not a cooling system. Hmm. They can live with the heat. They thrive on the heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Changes it to energy. Then it makes them grow red, like in the picture. Changes it to energy. <laughs> wrong, wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> Not so high-tech yet. Not so high-tech. <laughs> Their superpower is they have an armor made of iron. What? Specifically. <laughs> yes. Specifically, an outer layer on their shells that is made of iron sulfide. And the squishy part that protrudes out of the shell, right? Uh-huh. Is known as the foot of the snail. Yes. It's actually covered with little iron plates. <laughs> they have a chain mail. Oh my goodness. Yeah, snail yeah, yeah, yeah. chain mail. Yeah. Snail, snail chain, chain mail. Okay, then there's actually three layers to the shell. Okay. So the top shell, right? Like I said, right? There's iron, right? It's iron plated. Yes. There's an iron plated material. Uh-huh. Then the bottom is a calcified material, the part that faces them. Uh-huh. Then in between, right? It's a thick, squishy, organic layer in between. So it's like insulation. Uh huh. Plus, right? If like maybe a crab or some other predator gonna bite it, right? Then mm-hmm. it can absorb the impact and it won't break. Wow. Yeah. Evolution, man. 
Yeah. Then the scaly food got the chain meal, right? Yes. Yeah, it can deflate. Oh, it's called scaly food. Yeah, that's why it's called scaly food. Oh, okay, because okay. it's got scales on That's why food. it's called that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it can deflect any sharp things that might, you know, try to puncture the very tender part. Why so right? metal one, this nail? Yeah, like, so cool, literally. right? So cool, right? So metal. <laughs> Nature is metal. <laughs> okay, but this is not the only cool thing about the snail. Okay. It has another superpower. Okay. You want to guess what it is? It can glow in the dark. No. Damn it. It glow in the dark and then predators will eat it. Eh? Oh yeah, it's not a predator, ah, it's a prey. Ah. Oh. Something to do with eating one. Oh, it can... Because probably there's not much things to eat, right? Then? In the volcano area. <gasps> then how? Then they can eat iron. <gasps> they can eat iron. They can eat whatever is on the floor. Uh-huh. Like rock. <laughs> like rocks, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. But... But but researchers believe mm-hmm. that the snail doesn't really eat anything. Huh? Yes. <laughs> its digestive system is practically non-existent. Then how how come it can be so how come strong? it can be alive? <laughs> <laughs> so it has a gland, okay. which is one thousand times bigger than in other snails, okay. which contains a bacteria. That lives inside. Okay. And produces food for it. Oh. This process is called chemosynthesis. Okay. Essentially, it relies on the energy produced from the bacteria that it hosts in this large gland. So it let this bacteria stay inside its body. I have so many questions on like how it's going to reproduce. Is there like going to be a clone of the bacteria? Bacteria just, you know, <laughs> multiplies ma. Then bacteria do whatever bacteria do. Okay. Then the, the snail eat the food. Okay. Then no, the bacteria no, make. It doesn't eat the food, it just absorbs the energy from the bacteria. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, absorb. Yeah. yeah. Then it can continue living. Yeah, there's a logical scientific explanation to it. It's like using the bacteria as a battery. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the bacteria battery, essentially that. <laughs> so what you say was correct. Like at that place is so hot and so deep, right? That there is not much food for it to eat. Okay. Food is scarce. Any carbon that reaches them have been used by everybody else on top of them. Mm-hmm. So it's not very nutritious. Mm-hmm. Most likely a lot of poop. La. Poop of the poop of the poop. Okay. Yeah, so not very nutritious really. So what they do is they team up with the bacteria. Oh. Yeah, so they give the bacteria a place to live, then the bacteria provide the energy to them. Oh. <sighs> that also can. Yeah. So can you imagine like in very like inhospitable places, mm. it's very likely that there will be life. Because mm. even like that also can. Like eh? that also can, right? <laughs> so hot at 400 degrees Celsius eh. <sighs> okay. So this volcano snail right, is super, super rare. Okay. It lives in a very, 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 very small area mm-hmm. that is less than a quarter square kilometers. Mm. So we will think that actually it's quite easy to protect such a small area because you say that this snail is endangered, right? Mm-hmm. But no. Two of the vents where the snail live have active mining exploration licenses on them. Oh. So they've been licensed out for mining exploration. Oh. So scientists are saying that even one session of exploratory drilling could have an impact on this snail population and other rare or sensitive creatures living near these vents. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. That's why researchers are campaigning to have the species protected. 
Yeah, they should be. Mm-hmm, it's so mm-hmm. interesting and they spend so much energy to evolve to a point that they can survive yeah, in this very do, 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 difficult place. Die, right? <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, right, it's still not technologically or economically viable mm-hmm. to go and mine the seafloor at these depths at which the snails are at. So for now, they are safe. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm. But scientists want to raise the alarm to ISA, International Seabed Authority. Nice. I didn't <laughs> even know there's such a thing. <laughs> right. I was like, Seabed Authority. <laughs> Yes, it is a UN agency, nice. United Nations uh, agency, which manages the sea floor in international waters. Okay, okay. Yeah, so hopefully the snails get protected when the time comes. Okay. Okay, but a question for you, uh, do you know what these mining companies mm-hmm. are mining for? Because I was wondering like, what in the world is down there that they want? Natural gas, is it? I was thinking like, is it some kind of fossil fuel natural gas no it's not it is because of the hydrothermal processes right uh-huh. there are valuable metals and minerals like gold zinc cobalt and lithium that oh. are concentrated near the vents oh that makes sense ah. that's very interesting yeah 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 and actually right the ocean floor right has rocks that contain valuable materials Mm-hmm. like copper, nickel, and manganese. But it's so difficult to get there. Yeah, so right now, everybody is safe. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, the ISA uh, come up with some rules and regulations okay. about it. Yes. Okay, Jian, so what is your next search term of the week? Okay, my search term is... Cat Gribbles. Cat Gribbles! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cat grievous. Why? Okay, what is cat grievous first? Cat grievous is when the cat stare at nothing. Yes. Then freeze. Yep. Then suddenly get the zoomies. Like try to catch this nothing. Yeah. Right. Or like get spooked by nothing. Uh huh. Yeah. Or get scared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly run around yes, aggressively yes, yes. and very fast. Yes. 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 Okay. Mm. So what is it that they can see and we can't? Is it ghosts? No, Probably not ghosts. It's not. <laughs> I know what it is. I want to tell you my theory about cat okay, 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 go ahead. My theory is mm. their tails are sentient. <laughs> then the tails need to connect to the mothership. <laughs> this is the long-standing theory that is on Reddit. <laughs> okay. That cat tails are sentient and cat tails are their antenna to the mothership. Okay. Then sometimes the cat tail will give them commands. I see. On how to rule the humans. So the cat and the cat tail is separate. Separate entities but sharing one body. Oh. Yeah, then the cat tail is where they store the commands from the mothership. I see. So yeah. it will randomly do stuff. It will, if they get a update la, from the mothership. Oh. Like how to rule the humans, then the cat tail will be like, tee, 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 tee. Then, that's why the cat is like, ah, how come? Like that. Okay, all of what she said is gibberish. <laughs> okay, let's continue. <laughs> cats okay. can see things that we can't. Okay, what can they see? Because cats have ultraviolet vision. Because <gasps> the cat eyes, right, they are less susceptible to UV damage, like compared to us. Mm-hmm. So it allows for more UV light to enter the lens. Mm-hmm. So when there's a bug, and then the bug like, reflects UV light or something, it's mm-hmm. very obvious to the cat. <gasps> so maybe we cannot see the bug because it's too small or what, but then because of the reflection, the cat can see it. <gasps> jing, jing, jing. Oh, that's why they're such good hunters. Another cat superpower, the cat eye superpower, uh. is that it can sense movements uh-huh. six times better than humans. 
Uh-huh. So like inside your eye, right, there's actually the the lens and the rods. Mm-hmm. So the rods, right, they have six times more than us. Wow. The rods one can sense movement very fast. Wow. Yeah. So maybe your cat like, spotted like some squirrel outside, bird flying, or maybe a lizard dash across the walls. Then by the time you see, already too late. Oh. Yeah. So you when you look there, then there's nothing. But actually, they already saw the thing. Yeah, they actually saw something. Six times faster than you. Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what also, else can they see? Mm, mm. Mm. Our hearing range is about 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz as a human. Mm. So, what is the cat's hearing range? 20 to 20,000. Uh, 20 to 40,000. Double. Okay. So, it's 48 hertz. That means they cannot really hear as low as us. Mm. But they can hear much higher than us. Mm-hmm. Theirs is 85,000. Huh? 85,000 is like 4x eh? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So they have a very wide range of hearing. So maybe they are hearing something that you cannot hear. What's like, the I thing? don't know, the red squeaking. Very, oh. very high frequency or oh. something. Then they are trying to find the source of the, the noise. Oh. So they are looking at something, but like they don't know where it's from yet. They are oh. surveying the area. What if it's like a... Like a electronic, because sometimes electronics give off some high oh, yes. pitch sound. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, so maybe it's that. This reminds me of mm. me getting the gribbles. <laughs> like there was one time when you get yeah the when I was in I was working in corporate, so I used to work in this corporate chemicals company, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, I was working at my desk. Then suddenly I heard this very irritating high pitch screech. It's very soft, and I just cannot like. I keep looking around, I cannot find it. I keep wandering around to the point where it was like almost driving me crazy. You know? Nobody else was hearing Yeah, everybody is just very calm. Like, everybody just calmly doing their work. Then I'm the one that is like um, a maniac, you know, just walking around and just looking on the floor, looking at the thing, then putting my ear at a lot of different electronics. Eliza's gribbles. Yeah. Then after that, I follow the sound. Yep. And then I reached the technical department mm-hmm. and they were testing this device. Mm-hmm. That was emitting this stupid sound. Oh. But so, mm. the engineers, mm. they're all old. Mm-hmm. So they cannot hear this sound. Oh. What yeah. sharp ears you have. Yeah. Then they're like, you must be very young. That's why you can hear this sound. We oh. cannot hear. Oh. Then we go and call the other young people. Young people, those in their 20s. Because the time I was in my 20s. And we go and call them from the other departments who were seeing further away. Yes. And they also found it super irritating. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... Eliza got the gribbles. Okay, good yeah. job. Now I totally understand the cat. <laughs> yes. Channel your inner cat. <laughs> okay, so there's actually another reason. Uh-huh. If your cat is really staring at nothing and being scared of nothing uh-huh. and running around aggressively, uh-huh. it might be a symptom of something more serious. <gasps> it's called feline hyperesthesia, which mm. is also sometimes known as feline OCD. <gasps> Yeah, so normally what the symptoms look like is like excessive scratching, grooming, licking, or biting on your skin. And then sometimes your cat's skin will have this like rolling along their back kind of appearance. Uh-huh. And then like unusual vocalizations or noises, sudden sprinting around the house, zoomies. Uh-huh. And then uh, aggression towards humans or other cats. Oh no. And dilated pupils and staring episodes. Oh. So that might be a thing. Like, it's like so it's a... Feline mental health condition. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so okay, the okay. causes are kind of uncertain. Sometimes they are due to stress. Mm. And then like, or maybe it's an epileptic condition. Mm. And 
also it might be inherited. Mm. Yeah, so or maybe they had some trauma when they were babies. Yeah, maybe like PTSD or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So you can try to optimize your cat's living condition, mm-hmm. and also some medicine might help the condition. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it should be fine. Just be nicer to your cat, or find your cat some companion. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And if there's a lot of cats, then you must try to solve their fighting disputes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So why do cats try to catch their own tail? Cause it's sentient lah. Told you already. No, what? no. <laughs> it's an antenna to the mothership. <laughs> why do cats catch their own tail? Yes. Cause fun lah. Yes, exactly. It's like why do babies put their toes in their mouth? It's because they're bored. Yeah lah. Yeah. <laughs> why do babies put their toes in their mouth? Cause fun lah. Cause it's fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Boring ma. Yeah, it's like lah. it's like training for catching stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's just fun lah for them. Yeah. Mm. That's it. <laughs> Okay, we reached the almost end of our podcast and now it is time for one thing to recommend. Okay, my recommendation for this week is a book called I May Be Wrong by John Natiko Lindiblot. It is about this man who gave up his promising career to be a forest monk and he struggles along the way. And then after 17 years, he decided to disrobe and come back to society and how he struggled to fit in. And then, of course, he struggles of being suddenly diagnosed with a terminal illness. Oh dear. Yeah, it's a very wild ride. It's a very fascinating story. And it has a lot of his insights and learnings in all the different chapters of his life. Wow. Mm. I guess there's like a lot to learn from someone that has gone through a lot Mm. as a human. Mm. Yeah. My recommendation for this week is Ella Fitzgerald who is a very renowned jazz vocalist. Mm-hmm. And every time I return to listen to her songs, I feel like enchanted by her voice. Wow. Like the way she sings is like very effortless and very relaxing. So it's quite good for listening when you want to wind down or like you want to feel a bit jazzy. Nice. Yeah. We've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you, Liza, for making this podcast with me. And thank you, Tian, for doing this podcast with me. If you have Googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us a DM or comment on any of our social media accounts and we'll search it up on the show. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with your friends that might enjoy a comedy trivia podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. And now, we're off to record One More Thing, a Patreon-only podcast called One One More More Thing. So, see you there. Raindrops are falling on my head. No, they are not. (laughs) They are not. I'm just in a a closed room. (laughs) 